Hi everyone and welcome to Teeth and Tales. I'm your host Dr. Shadi Manicheri and today's episode is all about self-compassion with the wonderful Dr. Marouk who is a dentist and positive psychologist. In today's episode we talk about signs and symptoms of anxiety and burnout and in next week's episode which is the second part to this really long episode that we recorded and that's all about ways in which you can manage some of these issues in that you can present the best version of yourself for yourself your family your loved ones your friends and your patients if you are a dental health care professional so i really hope you enjoy this episode and without further ado let's get into it Hi Maroch, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's my pleasure. I, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a while and I know you've been super busy doing all the amazing things that you do. So I'm so glad to finally be talking about this. Um, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got here, please? Yeah, so I'm a dentist, a positive psychologist, and the founder of Mind Ninja, a well-being uh, startup that I founded in 2019. Um, I graduated from dentistry in 2010 from King's College, and in 2016, I went through my, my own mental health journey. So I experienced divorce, and with that came depression and burnout. And I was really fortunate actually not having the stigma to um, actually go seek help. So I was in a fortunate position. I actually had a psychology BSc that I integrated as a dental student. So I had a background understanding of mental illness, but it wasn't until I actually experienced depression that I really kind of experientially understood it. Um, And then through this wonderful journey of therapy, I found all of these amazing psychological tools, um, mindfulness-based tools, uh, CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy around kind of managing your thoughts and reframing them in different ways. I found nature therapy, art, uh, and all of these tools, you know, I hadn't really thought about it prior to um, experiencing depression, but I realized just how fundamentally crucial they were for just living and being human, um, because invariably we're all going to experience different um, things in our lives, and that's quite natural, but having those tools early on is a superpower, is really, you know, beneficial, and that led me to kind of do a deep dive into what was available in dentistry currently. And there, there seemed to be a big emphasis on crisis point services. Um, and we're quite fortunate, actually, we've got a lot of crisis um, services for us. In fact, we have like the Samaritan's Helpline uh, confidential in, in the profession. We can even self-refer to get CBT sessions. Um, and there's you know numerous kind of charities that, that can help support us once we've got to breaking point. But what was missing clearly was any sort of prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get any clinician wellbeing training um, in terms of undergrad um, training at all. Um, I loved the psychology I was learning at, at, at uni. So King's had a big psych um, emphasis, but it was all based around patients and how to mm-hmm. get them motivated 
interested in behavior change nothing on clinician so that led me to look into the research and of course right now we unfortunately are still spotlighting the problems in dentistry you know we're really going on about mental health and there's a problem but we haven't moved in academia at least to the next phase um, which is looking at the interventions and what could work for the profession but when we look at medics and those are the colleagues that are most similar I would say to us as well as healthcare um, they have a lot of the similar um, kind of um, issues to us in terms of mental health high burnout rates compassion fatigue rates um, and poor engagement so that led me to look at what they were spotlighting and that um, was really, really exciting. So there's so much vast research in, in that mm. area that's spotlighting mindfulness-based interventions, cognitive behavioral and then positive psychology. Um, and then that led me to just think of what I could do in that space. And I founded My Ninja, combining kind of neuroscience, mindfulness, positive psychology. Um, I completed a master's in applied positive psychology, which means I can actually say I am a positive psychologist and it's just such a beautiful useful part of psychology um, really you know based on you know the science and what I love about it is it's really exploring what makes individuals and organizations flourish mm -hmm. um, and thrive and it's in traditional psychology we'd be looking at fixing issues and getting you to uh, what we call baseline so to reduce negative well-being markers we want to get you you know less depressed less anxious or well, positive psychology goes beyond that you know to thriving states optimal states so how do we get you feeling happier and more engaged and having you know living a life of meaning and connected to others and all of these things became so much more interesting to me after um, kind of experiencing the divorce and the upheaval that you uh, experience when you lose, uh, you know, when you lose something. Um, and kind of it really spotlighted to me about meaning and purpose and how perhaps I'd been sleepwalking through the years and I'd kind of lost that sense of meaning and what could I do fundamentally to make a difference. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a kind of, uh, yeah, a quick summary of what, yeah, my kind of mental health journey and the driver really for, for kind of creating the startup in the first place mm -hmm. is something that I'm really kind of passionate about. And, you know, it's absolutely amazing to see how much progress since 2019 uh, has been made because right now I'm a one woman band but you know in the future what I'd love to do is to have that team um, and I've got a lot of exciting kind of um, goals that I want to get to because there's so much more that we can do when it comes to prevention and making a difference and certainly mental health when we talk about mental health and dentistry we still do talk about crisis point but we really need to look at the continuum and I think the pandemic actually has really helped in that respect in us probably understanding like the term mental health a bit better so often use it interchangeably so when we're talking about illness we might say mental health but actually we're all on a continuum we may uh, at different points experience um you know lower levels of mental fitness and we might experience low levels of resilience 
but we might not have a mental illness, right? So I think all of us can relate to that concept. Um, and I think that's equally as important because it can help us prevent getting to, you know, those negative well-being markers, that burnout, compassion, fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a topic that we should all uh, be interested in learning more about. Um, and there are so many cool psychological tools out there. So this can only benefit you. It's only going to make you more productive and profitable and happier. And yeah, there's, there's so much um, positivity that comes from um, really focusing on yourself. I think it's so important what you're doing because in our profession, I don't think we talk about this enough, even now, even though we're speaking more and more about it compared to say 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, when I first started dental school, I think there's still a long way for us to go because I think what you were saying in terms of mental health and illnesses, I think we all experience certain struggles, whether whatever the diagnosis may be, I think we all have different severities of say, for example, OCD, certain things about Um, things that you're particular about or things that trouble you but we don't necessarily talk about it and I think talking about it in the first place goes such a long way in just making you feel that you're not alone because I think we're in such we're in a profession where you're expected to be the best at everything you know growing up in school you were just expected to be academically the best at everything have all these extracurricular goals and now that we've qualified and we're working in in the society that we live in now we're expected to be good at our careers good in our personal life be doing some sort of amazing side hustle have an incredible social media feed like there's so much expectations um and I don't think that's good for anyone you know we have phases I personally have phases where honestly it really does affect me and I think it like you're saying it reduces my productivity all of the stuff that I'm going through and I am by nature a very um, impatient person and I have tried things like CBT before and for me I was just too impatient for it to work because I wanted results yesterday um, but I think yeah. it's so important for us to understand that this is a journey this is a progress like anything else like your clinical skills that you have to work on this is something that you need to work on as well you have to be consistent it takes a long time before you can actually start to see results but you have to be consistent Um, And you have to give value to it because it's equally as important as going on a course to improve your composite bonding, learning how to deal with your thoughts and negative thoughts and self-criticism, all of this stuff um, is really, really important. And in the end, it makes you a better clinician, a better person in your personal life, for your family, for your friends, for your partner. What would you say are some of the common mental health struggles that we see in our profession? I mean, I said OCD because I think we're all perfectionists and we have, we're on the spectrum of OCD somewhere. And I know I say this jokingly, but in, in reality, some people actually have, have certain issues with that, myself included. But what would you say some of the common mental health struggles are in the profession? Yeah, really, really good. Um, good insights and a really, really good question. So I'm going to start off instead of going straight to the mental illnesses I want to take a step back and just um, talk about the general struggle so we know that chronic stress is a big problem within the profession Um, 
we're, we're going to be aware as a dental professional, we've got all sorts of stresses. So we've got, you know, the fear of litigation and the GDC regulation. That's a big one that's cited in literature. We've got um, your work environment. That's absolutely massive. So are you working in a toxic work environment or is it more positive? Um, that's absolutely massive. And even in terms of staffing issues, do you have the right support around you? Do you have the nurses that you get on with? Um, you know, your, your team makes a big difference to your mental health. Uh, so that's a, a big kind of part of it as well. Um, and then uh, we've got other things such as negative thoughts. Um, we've got uh, imposter syndrome thoughts. So this is a common set of negative thoughts. I'm nodding that... to everything you're saying because I can relate <laughs> to all of it. <laughs> yeah, so all of us experience this. We may not talk about it and it doesn't matter how much we skill up, this set of thoughts might pop up. And this is a belief that, you know, we can be super competent in terms of our skills. We might have got a zillion degrees, but it doesn't matter because we feel that mm. someday people are going to find out that we're a fraud, that we don't really uh, belong in this position um, and we don't really know what we're talking about essentially so you you kind of live in a sense of fear so that's a common one particularly with younger clinicians but even older clinicians the research spotlights this as a big problem um, and then of course you've got the social comparison with social media um, being so prominent that it is now with and dentistry being such a visual um, profession mm -hmm constantly comparing our uh, clinical work to other people's clinical work, right? Um, and then you mentioned this as well around perfectionism. Uh, there is a certain type of trait that tends to, a uh, certain type of personality that tends to do dentistry, and that tends to be someone who has a type A personality. Mm. So this is someone who, like you said, high achiever, might set really unrealistic goals and beat themselves up if they don't achieve those goals. You know, they, they can be successful, but, you know, mentally, um, they might have a very harsh inner critic and what's going on inwards um, can be quite uh, negative. Uh, they might have a fixed mindset in certain areas rather than a growth, which is probably surprising. Uh, you wouldn't think that, but I would certainly say from coaching a lot of dental professionals, there are a lot of uh, fixed thoughts that come into play. Uh, so you've got that perfectionism aspect. And we know from the research as well. So there was a really good paper in 2020 looking at dental students in the UK. And they found that 35% of UK dental students actually experienced what they call maladaptive perfectionism. I, I, mean, I would say all perfectionism is not good. Uh, because when we kind of define uh, perfectionism, um, it's about being perfect, right? Perfection, like being perfect, that concept is made up, right? Nothing is perfect. Hmm. So for us to beat ourselves up for not achieving this uh, unrealistic standard is, is actually, you know, really, really harmful. And when we look at the research that, um, so going back to that paper, that 35%, that's a high amount of students. And why they spotlight this is, it's linked with psychological distress, such as burnout and what 
Colin and colleagues, the, the writers, they suggested self-compassion training as an antidote. And this is one of the things that I, one of the psychological tools that I teach um, in the kind of workshops, programs, or projects that I'm creating, um, because self-compassion um, really helps you, or self-compassion training really helps, gives you tools to really reframe that inner critic um, to uh, kind of really amplify a positive inner voice and to soothe yourself because uh, quite uh, kind of to break it down when we're being critical to ourselves we're actually in a, a um, stress state so we trigger the flight uh, fright freeze um kind of amygdala hack right hijack sorry so um that is uh, yeah and we know that that actually is related to um, well, chronic stress uh, states are really you know harmful to us in terms of our brain our body um, and so what self-compassion does is it actually triggers um, the biological nurturance um, system that soothes us so you know in the same way that our mother like when we were younger would hug us and you know she to us in a loving kind way or, or you know how we talk to our best friend it, you know we offer our friends um, and close ones uh, really kindness and love when they are going through stressful moments right mm. so the idea with self-compassion particularly is to talk to yourself the same way you would a close friend and and you'll be surprised you know mm. if you sit with yourself the amount of times you'll be critical is absolutely insane and you would never talk to anyone else like this mm. you wouldn't mm your patients you wouldn't talk to you know your young cousins your children like this like we shouldn't talk to ourselves this way um probably the the biggest i think barrier to self-compassion is that we believe that we need to beat ourselves up to achieve and to um you know become these high achievers but that but actually looking from the research that just isn't correct it might help you in the short term but in the long term it's related to all of these negative markers right you're more likely to be depressed you're more likely to uh, feel anxious um, and so that's not a best motivator especially when we're talking about intrinsic motivation so this motivation that's high quality and good for us um, you know being harsh it isn't going to lend itself to creating positive habits that stick uh, so I don't know how we got into self-compassion, but I just love to bring that in. <laughs> Sorry, perfectionism. We were talking about <laughs> So those are the things that I think all of us probably have experienced, you know, elements of that. Then you've got the mental illnesses, right? So you've got depression, burnout, compassion fatigue, anxiety. I think those four probably are the most common. You've also got suicide which is linked to depression, right? So if you're depressed, you have um, suicidal thoughts as well, um, and you absolutely need to seek help. Um, and, and it's particularly common within dentistry. So uh, this was pre-pandemic, but in 2019, there was a study by Toon and colleagues. They found that UK um, dentists experienced 10% uh, of UK dentists experienced suicidal thoughts, and that's greater than the um, public. It's 5% in the general public. So there is a problem within the profession, and, and there's so many reasons for that. Stigma being part of it, um, and you know a bunch of other uh, reasons. But yet, yeah, you know, there is a clear issue. Um, 
burnout is a big problem as well so it's an occupational hazard so what I mean is if you're working closely with patients mm. you are at risk of this it's just the way it goes um, and the same is true of compassion fatigue so burnout essentially is when we're emotionally exhausted um, and we also lose our sense of empathy which is that connection with patients and it's not something that we can just resolve with rest. An extension of burnout, which probably we don't, we're not maybe so aware of, is compassion fatigue. So this is um, burnout plus uh, PTSD-like symptoms. So we might experience, uh, you know, feeling on edge um, and those kind of symptoms as well. And and so, yeah, really kind of serious uh, condition. And, and that's a result of absorbing a patient's pain. So if you think mm. about us being a dental professional, we might, if we're working in the NHS, we might see 30 patients a day and we are getting to know our patients, right? We see them three monthly, six monthly, and we uh, actually live through um, their experiences too. So we will hear from them, you know, their traumas. Um, I've had a patient that's talked about her rape. Um, I've had all sorts of conversations uh, in lots of ways. I feel like we we can be a therapist mm. to our patients, right? Um, because we build a rapport. Um, you know, we see them through all sorts of journeys, right? So it's very natural for us, you know, if we're constantly being Com uh, compassionate to absorb a patient's pain because we don't really know how to process that pain and we don't get that opportunity to um, really uh, set a boundary and to restore ourselves right and this is where self-compassion other self-care um, techniques are so kind of crucial for us right because it is draining constantly putting on a professional facade mm. You have a patient also that's anxious or a patient that's angry, that, that can be a common one as well. So you have to be professional and you have to um, almost keep your emotions and thoughts in check, right? At least for that period. Um, and that's absolutely correct because, you know, we have to do that. But we also need to uh, debrief with ourselves and process what we've gone through that day. And that's where things like journaling, mm -hmm. um, and although I know CBT didn't work for, for you or you feel like, you know, you wanted instant results. I don't think I gave it enough, enough of a chance yeah, for it to work. It, yeah, absolutely. Um, it might be that it's something that isn't useful for you anyway, but it's worth kind of exploring the tools mm. and there's elements of CBT that um, are probably really, really useful. And I think the thing to probably spotlight from that particular tool is that um, there are a series of cognitive biases. So these are thinking biases that we all have. Um, and whenever any, whenever we experience anything, like for example, if you get a call from your practice manager, you your um, your instant thought might be crap. Like you know, is something wrong? What's like, happened? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, and then before you know it, it's a GDC complaint, and it's all in the space of a couple of seconds, right? You can go to a very negative space, um, and that particular cognitive uh, bias is called catastrophizing, and that's one that, as a dental professional, we do like 
a lot. Um, we might also um, believe that if something happens, uh, you know, crown doesn't fit, for example, we might completely blame ourselves for that situation. And of course, you know, we've got to take responsibility, perhaps your prep isn't perfect, but there are lots of other factors. We've got patient factors, we've also got lab factors. Um, so there are certain biases that um, we need to be aware of. We need to be aware of our kind of unhelpful um, thought patterns um, and it's not to say that you won't have you won't experience those uh, thoughts those automatic negative thoughts but it's more like okay I can be aware that this is my go-to when something mm. bad happens I'm going to do this but it means that I can take a, a, a step back and I can choose to do something differently and I don't have to stay in that space because the worst thing um, and this is probably the biggest sorry learning from CBT is that our um our, uh, our feelings are very much associated with our thoughts um, and they impact our actions, right? So, you know, you might uh, get a negative Google review, for example, and you might be on your way to the gym. This actually happened. This is my brother who's an absolutely amazing dentist and you would never think has any issues um, at all when it comes to mental health I guess uh, but actually everyone's human so I literally watched this play out so he was on his way to the gym and he got this negative google review and he's he's a really good dental professional um much better than me clinically he's beautiful gorgeous work and um he gets this review and it's it's a patient and he's taken a tooth out and the patient must have noticed a bit of bone fragments come out right and he's complaining and literally, I watched him on his way out slump on the sofa. Mm. And I see, like all of that playing out, like, oh crap, like what's going to happen? Like, what will my boss think? You know, mm. where is this mm. going? Mm. Like, internal. And I had to prod him to see mm. what was going on. And then he was like, oh, I don't really want to go to the gym. And then, mm. then what happens is ruminating and you yeah. start kind of exploring all the options because you think that that's a helpful way of dealing with it. But mm. my point, Point is that out of all of these tools, we can gain something from it. It might not be you want all of it, but that's quite useful to know that, yeah. look, what are your patterns and how is it impacting your actions? Mm. Um, so I, I think um, it, it was quite, it's quite interesting to see um, this kind of play out. And yeah, just to emphasize that we are all kind of human. Um, and even when you have the knowledge like me, it doesn't mean that you're not going to experience uh, these normal things but the idea really is to just become more aware um, self-awareness is the kind of first step and we're yeah. talking about um becoming more resilient and thriving you know, that's so interesting because everything you've said so far I can relate to it 110 percent everything you've said about perfectionism about negative self-talk about self-criticism and the experience your brother had I would be the same like I think if there is a negative um, opinion from I could have a gazillion patients who've said wonderful wonderful things about me and they do and there will be one patient who says something negative and that's the one I focus on and I almost feel like I need to I deserve to be punished because there is that negativity around this treatment that I did and I must be a horrible person if one person out of a million people I've seen says that and then you almost have to take a step back and say well actually in the grand scheme of things how is that? How does that slot in? What does that look like in relation to everything else? And almost do a reality check and get perspective. Um, because, you know, punishing yourself, being down about it isn't going to help anything. And I think what you were saying about 
us having a life and having to take on the troubles of our patients. I relate to that so much because probably the number one thing that I don't like about dentistry, there are so many things that I love about dentistry. One of the things that I really, really don't like and still struggle with is the fact that we're all human beings. We have our own lives going on. We have our own mental health struggles. We have everything going on. We have a family, we have friends, we have all of these things that are going on in our minds. And you have to show up in the morning and be there for your patients and almost be a robot of, you know, continuing to do your work, take on the troubles of your patient, continue to do incredible um, clinical work, see your patients and just get through that. Because there were so many times that I, I would be having a bad day for whatever reason. There was this one time, I think I was a MaxVax trainee and I was on call for that weekend. And um, my mum had a scare, a heart attack scare. We thought she was having a heart attack. So I had to go straight from <laughs> that a to a different a and I was on call. Oh, wow. I took my mum to a and I was with her the whole night. Thankfully, it wasn't a heart attack. Um, and then I had to go back to work the, the next day and I didn't sleep and I went straight to work. And I just remember I got to work and my registrar saw me and he was like, are you okay? Because I looked like hell. I hadn't eaten. I hadn't slept. I'd been crying the entire night. And then, you know, you get a bleep and you have to go and see, see the patient. And I just couldn't. And that was just one day. I know people do much more than that. They go without sleep, without eating. But we're human as well. And I think that's one of the things that I really, really struggle with in, in the profession in that you have all these things going on and it might not be an option to take the day off. You know, you might have patients waiting for a long time. You might have things that are time dependent. You can't necessarily take a day off. So there's been times where, you know, I've had to go to the next room, have a little cry between patients and come back. Um, and I honestly thank God for the mask and my loops because that can sometimes hide the the blotchy eyes and things. Uh, but it's not easy. It's difficult. And, and you know, we, when we graduate, I was 23 when I graduated. And now that I think about it, like that, that's tiny. A 23-year-old being in charge of human beings, having to deal with everything else, it's not easy. And, and unless you have the skills to be able to cope with that, because this is a lifelong profession and it's not something that you're doing briefly, right? This is something that you're going to be doing for a number of years. So we really need to have the tools to be able to deal with that. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode and hopefully learned a few things. I know I certainly did. And as always, don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode. You can reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Shadi Manicherry. I always love hearing your responses. And if you have any requests for future podcast episodes, please let me know there. I do usually listen if there are specific requests that are quite popular. As always, there will be a new episode every week. So please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. And I can't wait to speak to you soon.